Well, good morning. Happy New Year. It's good to see many of you made it back from your travels. It, uh, it is an exciting day for us, um, and not just because um, it's eight years for us, but it's exciting because we get to celebrate Jesus, right? We get to celebrate a new year together as a family. We get to celebrate a baptism in a, in a little while. We're going to have a taco party. Um, we had some games that we planned out there in the grass, but it's kind of wet, so I don't know if we're going to do that. Um, but we're going to talk about God's faithfulness really over the past eight years and a few minutes, um, really as a family existing as, as a local church, as, as God's family. Um, it's kind of hard to believe that eight years ago and four days uh, in my living room in Huntley Place, uh, some of you actually sat on some couches um, and we talked and we dreamed and we cast vision and we prayed that God would actually form a local church. And not just a, not just a gathering of people, but people who actually really truly understood that they were the church. People who understood and people who believed that they were no longer separated from one another and they're no longer separated from God. Because that's the good news of the gospel. Really that people would believe that they're no longer living in hostility, but now that they're living in the glorious hope of being remade into the image of God with the purpose of displaying His glory and His grace to people everywhere, all the time, all throughout the week. This really this idea we talked about that, that, that we would be people who understood that we're, we're not consumers. We're not people who, who just hang out in a church gathering when it fits my lifestyle or it fits my preferences or I get what I want out of it. Rather, that we would actually be a group of people who actually wanted to be together, who actually wanted to live as family together, who wanted to be on mission together, who wanted to learn from each other, who wanted to serve each other, who would actually choose to be family together and not just like talk about it or not just like get little sniffs or hints of it, but people who actually would taste it and experience it and deeply know what it's like to have a relationship with God and a relationship with his people. Sorry. Um, Yeah. Really, I mean, that's what we want to be about, a people that care for one another deeply, who live in community, and and people who, who understand that that's not just a Sunday morning thing people who would actually reorient their lives around the gospel so that they would live life all throughout the week and people would get to see Jesus. That really that out of, out of his love for us, we would love other people. That out of, out of that love, we would do whatever it takes in our city and around the world so that people would get to see and experience what the family of God looks like that those people on the outside of God's family would be invited into his family and a family that would deeply love him and care for him and care for one another to be the kind of people that are eager to to enter relationship with one another because Jesus entered relationship with us. Really, to to live as God's family, to to say, I want to be your brother, I want to be your sister, and I'm going to care for you, I'm going to learn to live with you, I'm going to invite you into my life, into the good things and the bad things and the mess and the... And all those things, and I want to be equipped to be on mission to serve the city. And the good news is that that wasn't just a pipe dream, and it wasn't just some, some vision, but like a reality that we actually get to live in. Because God's created us to live that way. 
And over the past eight years, we've had an opportunity to do that as a family. And I want to just look through a little bit of scripture this morning to remind you that that's what God calls us to as a family. And that's what God calls us to as his people, as his church. It's always been his plan. It's always been his plan for his family, for his church. That that's what his whole restoration plan has been about. That he would restore us back and he would teach us. And that we would learn to live in the way that he actually created us to be before the fall. And that we would disciple other people in the same way. There's, there's many places throughout Scripture we could spend all day, but I want to just turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 10, and it says it pretty clearly here. I want to read it for us this morning. So Ephesians chapter 2, it should be behind me as well, says this, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Pay attention to verse 10. It says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, the good news of the gospel is that we've not only been saved by his work, but for his work. We've said that many times, but I want to say it again. We've been saved by his work, for his work. You and I have been saved so that we can be participants in the fulfillment of God's work in this world. You see, God specifically planned before the beginning of time that he would pluck you out, that he would call you out of your sin, that he'd take you from a place of being dead to being a place of alive. And if you're one of, her, you're one of your God's followers, well, that's what God has done for you. He's taken you from a place of wrath and he's rescued you and he specifically placed you in a city, in a time, in a place for his specific reason and purpose. I want to tell you, you living here right now was preordained before the beginning of time so that God might accomplish his purpose in this city. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't by chance that you live in Los Angeles. It wasn't even by your choice. It wasn't because you liked the city or you found a job here. God specifically chose you to live here in this time period, in this city, in this place. Not because you were something special, but because he's great and he actually knew you being here would give you the best opportunity to see him for who he is as you participate in the work that he calls you into. Because the reality is you know this, that, that he's going to accomplish this plan without you. But in his grace, he says, I'm going to allow you and me the opportunity to participate in what he's doing in this city and in the lives of people in this city because he knows that when you participate in what he's doing and what he's doing with your life and what's going on in this planet, your life then is going to be more joy-filled, more fulfilling, more meaningful because you'll be living in the way that God actually designed you to live. And your life will then look like grace because it will look like Jesus. That was his plan. That's what he's always done. And that's what he's doing right now. And as fallen humans, I think it's very easy for us to forget that. To forget that we actually have a job, we have a task, we have a role that's outside of ourselves. I know for me, I can very easily, quickly get consumed with my life and what I have to do and what I think I need to get done during the day. And I know that's the true for so many people. We're thinking about how are we going to provide for our families or how are we going to make it or how am I going to 
get this done, or how am I going to move in my career, or what am I going to do in school? And we miss out sometimes, I think, on God's plan for the world because we're too consumed with our own stuff. God has a plan for the world, and God has a plan for the city. He has a plan for your workplace. He has a plan for your neighborhood. He has a plan for your school, and he has a plan for your life. One of the things this week, as I was kind of reflecting on, I'm supposed to be talking about the past, if you didn't figure that out yet. Um, (laughs) I've been kind of reflecting on the past eight years and how God moved me and my family here um, from Philadelphia to this church family here to start this church in L.A. And as I was thinking through all the amazing things that God did prior to that and us moving and all the things he's done over those years, one of the things that stuck out and one of the reasons that really really drew our hearts to this city in the very first place was the overwhelming amount of people in the city who still don't know how good God is yet. We have no idea how gracious he is, how much he actually loves them, and how much he actually desires to rescue them. I want to I remind us, family, that there's a desperate need for this family to continue to grow and to continue to live out the gospel reality so others will get to see a visual picture of the way God tangibly takes the broken, messed up people and restores them. That's, that's what he's calling us to do. See, God has been, God's been super gracious to you and me because he didn't call us to live in a city where the majority of people already know Jesus. He called us to a place where the overwhelming majority of people have no gospel understanding of who he is. You and I cannot help but rub shoulders with not yet believers everywhere we go. And I want to tell you, that's grace. And it's good news. You and I don't have to work very hard to find them. Right? You just have to walk out the door and you have to look to one side and look to the other side and probably look up and look down and you'll find them. You'll find people who need Jesus. And that's both sad and it's exciting. It's both. Because in His grace, He's given you and me the opportunity to actually be the church. To be His people who reflect what it looks like to be a called people chosen by God in a city that is lost, in a city of people that are look, looking to fulfill and find glory and bring glory to themselves instead of glory to Jesus. Family, we live in a very dark city full of opportunity. You may know some of these facts, but I'm going to remind you of them just in case you forget. Los Angeles is approximately 10 million people. And if you count the greater Los Angeles area, it's 18.8 million people. That's more than all but Texas, New York, and Florida. There's more people in the greater Los Angeles area than all, every other state except for those three. According to USC, one of our great colleges around here, some people may not like it, but if you're a UCLA fan, I'm sorry. I don't really, I'm not a fan of either, so. Anyway, USC, they said this, 5% of the 18.8 million people would consider themselves followers of Jesus. All right? That means approximately 19.9, you you rocket scientists can check me on this, 19.9 million people in our backyard still needed to hear the good news of Jesus. Uh, 17.9, I'm sorry. I went higher, yeah. 
It's all right. There's more people move to this city every day. And there's babies being born. It's going to grow, right? That means approximately 17.9 people have not heard the gospel yet or have heard it but haven't seen it and haven't seen it lived out in community and it hasn't affected their hearts. That's a lot of people that still need to hear Jesus in our city. Of that, 40% of, 47% of Los Angeles is Latino. 15% is Asian and 10% is African American. What that means is if we're going to actually reach this city, we're going to have to cross cultural barriers. We're going to have to start looking and thinking about things differently so that everyone could get to hear and experience the gospel. I want to remind you as a family, that's a lot of opportunity God has called us into. Our city is in desperate need of followers of Jesus to say, I'm not content with going on in my life Just like everyone else, I'm going to actually live intentionally so that others will get to experience the good news of Jesus that I've come to know. In a few minutes, we're going to spend some time celebrating and and reflecting on the amazing things that God has done over the past eight years and in growing our hearts and growing us to understand Him and stretching us and teaching us and providing for us. And God has been so good to us. He's been so gracious to us. And we need to do that. We need to be reminded. We need to recount His faithfulness because we're people that often forget. We see that all throughout Scripture. But I want to remind us as we do that not to grow weary or tired of doing good. Galatians 6 says that. And as a church, we're not going to sit on our laurels. We're not going to just be content to say, I'm happy with what we have here. I'm comfortable. I don't want anything to change. I like it the way it used to be when we were in the jazz club and there was like this hookah bar in the back where the kids were and we were cleaning up beer bottles. We love that, right? Like, no, as elders, we're going to continue to call us as a family to continue to work hard to pray and to ask God to change this city and to accomplish His purpose in this city. See, the good news is that God is not done with you yet. He's not done with us yet. This is true for anybody that's still breathing. If you're still breathing, God is not finished with you yet. And He wants to, he wants to stretch us, and that's His grace. Can you imagine what it would look like if everyone in Los Angeles heard about Jesus? And not just like as a curse word, but actually got to hear God's story explained to them so that they could understand it. That's what being heard means. So they could, it's not some like mass media campaign or not some like signs on the street, but it was an understandable manner that God's story was told to them in a way that so they could hear it and understand it and interact with it and accept it or deny it. That's the choice, right? That's our task. That's what God has called us to participate in. That's why God has called you and me to this city. So that we would tell God's story. We would tell God's story to all of Los Angeles and people would get to hear the gospel and not just our friends or our neighbors, but those across other races and other parts of the city would get to hear about the good news of Jesus. And over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to cast some more vision. We're going to spin out what, what we feel like God is calling us to in, in this next season as a church. But I, I want to start today by just asking you to commit to pray. 
to commit to pray for more gospel encounters, more gospel conversations, and more gospel conversions. To pray, because as you look through, if you look back through through um, ancient church history and any revival movement, even, even in modern church movements, what you will find is one thing that is obvious in all of them is that their roots are in prayer. We see this over and over and over again through the stories of history. You can read any missionary book. You can go back and look through any church history, any movement of God. People start to pray together, and they ask God to work in a particular area in a mighty way. And what he does is God raises up people, often those who are praying, to do amazing things. And God calls us to pray over and over and over again in Scripture. One place in, in, in 1 Thessalonians says, God tells us to pray continually. He says, continually beg and plead with me to do my work. To remind him of his covenant with his people, of his promises, to ask him to pour out his spirit and his love and his mercy on the nations. You see, the good news is that God never gets tired of hearing his people ask. He never gets tired of his people asking him the same thing. He's a father that never grows weary of his children asking him. I don't know if you guys have, some of you have kids, some of you don't. but my girls are very good at asking the same thing over and over and over and over again. And sometimes it happens by text now. It's like, Dad, 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 Dad. I get like these 45 texts that say Dad. You know who I'm talking about. You're not the only one. Right? And sometimes it's like very frustrating for me. Right? I'm like, if you ask me one more time, I'm going to... And then they stop. And then the next day, dad, 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 dad. Right? You see, they know, my kids know that I love them. And I will give them as many good things that I can if they ask. But God is a way better father than me. He never gets frustrated and he's, and he, with us continually asking him. He says, keep asking Keep calling on me to work. Plead with me to work, to do the things that I I love to do and have faith that I will do them and I will extend grace to other people in this city. Because I think sometimes that's why we don't pray, is we either think that God doesn't have the power to do it or that we don't actually have the faith that he can do it. We know those things are true, but we don't actually believe the truth of that. You see this asking in prayer, I want to say, is, is twofold. It's both for us and for others. If you flip over to Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 6, we'll see Paul praying for his friend. And this is what he says in verse 6. He says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Why does Paul pray for Philemon to actively share his faith? Why does he do that? So have a better understanding of who God is. Paul wants his friend to actually experience the joy of sharing the gospel firsthand. And he prays that Philemon will grow in his understanding of God through his experience of actually sharing the truth with others. 
You see, the truth is what takes place is when we speak the gospel and when we live out the gospel is that we actually learn about God personally. Right? We grow in the depth and the understanding of who He is and what He's like and who we now are in light of what He's done. And that becomes such good news to us that we can't help but share it. And the more that we learn about God's grace, the more we share. And it becomes this cycle of good news and more grace and good news and more understanding and more sharing and more grace and more good news. And it grows and grows and grows and grows in your heart and the hearts of others. Because God is after your heart. He's not just after this city. You're part of what He's doing and He's after your heart at the same time He's after other people. Take a look at what Jesus prays for his church in John chapter 17. He prays this. He says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us, right? That all of them may be one. Father, just as you and, you and me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as you are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you've given to me where I am to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. There's a lot of things in this that Jesus prays, but one of the main things that Jesus is praying here is for unity, to be one. Jesus asks for unity in sharing the message. Not individually, but rather together as a body, as a family. And as we do that in community, we get to see his glory and others get to see his truth and experience his love. Jesus prays that we might know and that the watching world would know how gracious He is and how loving His Father is. As we participate in His work of sharing the gospel, we get to see more of His glory. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but this is a pretty amazing thought that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus was praying for you and for me and for us as we embarked on being missionaries together here in Los Angeles. As we, this church started with prayer that Jesus would, would grow us and the prayers of other people um, and the prayers of the city, we got to be participants because God the Father was answering the prayer of Jesus 2,000 years ago. And God the Father was answering the prayers of other people who prayed for this city and other believers who live in this area and live around the world and live around this country who are praying that God would raise up a people and that God would call and that God would advance his kingdom here in the city. And that's really good news. And the good news also is that Jesus is the only hope that we have in reaching this city. Jesus working through our prayers and the prayers of others is the only way that we can actually accomplish what he calls us to do. And it's the only way that we're going to continue to actually live the way God calls us to live is to continually ask God to go and to move before us as we attempt to live as his body in the city. Because the reality of it is, is we're only eight years old. Most eight-year-olds are like this big. 
right? Somewhere in there? I don't know. My kids haven't been eight in a while. Um, in the grand scheme of this city, we're pretty small, right? But God is very big, and God is very powerful, and God can accomplish amazing things through weak, small, young people. And we get to ask him to do it on his behalf. See, the good news of the gospel is that now through the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to be a part of God's restoration plan for this city. And you and I do not have to bear the weight of it. We don't have to worry about it. We're actually just free to do what God calls us to do and to allow him to take care of the results in this city. And I don't know about you, but for me, as I attempt to help lead this family, that's very freeing for me. And it should be freeing for you as well. Philippians 2 says this, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's the idea that God is the one who actually gives us the desire and the power to do his work. That really you and I are now just participants in God's work without the stress or responsibility of the results. That doesn't mean that we don't ever get saddened by the lack of restoration in our city or by the brokenness in the lives of people that we see, but that we actually love and that we trust God and that we understand that he's actually in control. And so we, when we understand that, we pray more and we ask him to do his work. And then we walk alongside him and we live in the city and we celebrate the things that he's doing over and over and over again. That's why we celebrate once a month. I mean, hopefully we're celebrating more than that, but at least we're intentionally like planning some time. In First Chronicles 16, really, God tells us to do this. As you look through the story of his people in the Old Testament, he tells them over and over again to celebrate, to be reminded, to tell the next generation of what God has done, to celebrate those things. He says this in verse 24. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among people. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. I think those verses are both an outward thing where we're sharing his glory with people that don't yet know him, but it's also inward where we're talking about his marvelous deeds so that we would be reminded in our own hearts that he loves us and that he pursues us and that he's after us and that he's a good God. And it's why we take time once a month to declare that. And, and, it's one of the, and we're going to do that in just a second. Um, but as we do that, one of the things I think about as we do that, I want to make sure as we celebrate those things that we're worshiping God. That we're not just talking about good things that you and I liked or good things that you and I might have done. Because we live in a city and a culture that worships humans. And I think it's easy for us to fall into that, even as we share evidences of God's grace. And so as we tell the stories, let's make sure we understand who gets the credit. Because we can subtly worship individuals, and I've seen that happen. But let's make sure and be clear that God is the one that actually deserves the glory. That he's actually the one that deserves the praise. As a church, let's make sure that we give credit 
where credit is actually due. To be his people that say, nope, that's not us, that was him. To point people to him, not to us, not to something that happened, not even to this church, but to actually to Jesus. Because the truth is that, like we've talked about, God has been the one that's been at work since the beginning of time. He's the one that started this church. He's the one that is now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is, is, is making it become a family. And because it's all been a part of his restoration plan that he planned way before you and I ever existed so that he would restore the people in the city. And so I want to stop, and we're going to take some time to brag on Jesus. Maybe you've been here eight years. Maybe you were sitting on a couch that, that first morning. Um, maybe you've been here eight days. Bobby, you haven't been here eight days because we didn't gather last week. But you could have gone to a missional community because this isn't the church, right? Um, um, maybe you've been here eight weeks. It doesn't matter. We all get to equally tell of God's deeds. There's no hierarchy of who's been here longer, who has been here shorter. We're all part of the same family of God with equal rights to God, and God has called us together. And so as we think about that, what are some ways you've seen God work in your life or in the life of others since being a part of this church family? What are some evidence of grace that you've seen this week or this month or this year or over the past eight years or however long you've been here of ways that that God has worked in your life or the life of others? Uh, let me pray for us, uh, and then we got one other celebration. You have to wait. Let me pray. Our Father, we thank you that you have been so gracious to us. You love us, and that you love um, restoring this world. Father, we ask that you would continue. Uh, to reach this city. Father, we pray that you would multiply your kingdom here. Father, pray that you would saturate this with people that know, understand, and live out the truth of the gospel today. Father, pray that you would do that in every age group, in every um, race, in every place in the city, and not just in our city, but around the world. And so, Father, we, we know that you love... Um, to restore things. Father, we ask for great restoration to happen in this place. Father, we pray that you uh, would continue to draw our hearts to you, that you would open our eyes to see uh, your pursuit of us. Father, pray that you would continue to grow us in our love for you and our love for others. Father, thank you that we get to participate in what you're doing and that in that participation we get to see your glory. And so, Father, we ask that we would get to see more of that. Father, we too also pray that you um, would return quickly, that you would send Jesus to ultimately restore this world and that you would bring full restoration to this uh, to this world. And so, Father, that we um, would spend eternity just singing and celebrating uh, the things that you've done. And so, Father, before you do that, we ask that you would rescue many more. Um, but I ask, Father, we do that, ask that you send Jesus back. We know that he is our only hope and the only way of change. And so, Father, we pray that you would remind our hearts of that often and that you would remind us to pray and to continue to ask you to do your work in this place and in this city. So, Father, we thank you for this morning that we get to celebrate these things. 
pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So another thing we're going to get to celebrate this morning is, um, is a baptism. So Sam is going to come up and he's going to share a little bit. Sam's going to share a little bit of his story and what God's done for him. And then, Hello, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Sam. Uh, I can make this short or long, but I'm going to keep it in the middle. Um, <laughs> first and foremost, my father and mother were both believers, uh, and uh, I am the youngest of three children. Um, like them, I was baptized as a Catholic, um, as, as a baby. Um, went to private Catholic school, um, learned all, I was obedient Catholic, learned all my prayers, did the sacraments, First Communion, Confession, um, and uh, in high school, um, that's when I was going to do Confirmation, um, that's when I, the first time where I really questioned my faith, um, and just was praying and talking with talking with my mom, just discussing like I don't know if this is if this is what I'm really called to do, um, and then deciding that it was. I did an extra year of classes, so I did three years of classes for my confirmation, um, and really chose at that time um, that that's the that's what I believe in. Um, and at that time, I, I was very not like I, I studied. I was thought I was very knowledgeable, and I knew God. Um, and after after that, um, for whatever reason, I stopped going to church every Sunday. I stopped learning about God, just learning about the gospel, and it just slowly dwindled. Like my passion for what it once was slowly dwindled. Um, for whatever reason, and at that same time, I saw my mother and my sister transitioning from their Catholic faith into the Christian Protestant faith, um, and I myself was questioning that, like, oh, why are you stepping away from what we believed in? I didn't understand it. Um, and I was very, at the time, I was very legalistic in my ways, or is, oh, in order to be worthy for God, I need to do X, Y, and Z, and then I'll be, I feel worthy for God. Um, and then, then seeing my mother and my sister transition and seeing how happy they were, and even though it was hard for my mom, I saw it, I, did, I just saw how happy they were. And then at that time, my sister was diagnosed with cancer. And within that, she still felt so much joy in that, of just knowing God, and I didn't understand it. Um, so eventually, both my, my sister and my father both passed away from cancer within a year of each other, and I was just so devastated, um, felt completely lost and apart from God, or I just was very numb and lived my lived life on autopilot, just living day by day, living for myself, not for anything. And so because of that, partly, uh, I moved to Boston. I grew up here in California. I moved to Boston in a way to escape 
um, the pain, and so that my mom wouldn't see me in that way. <clears throat> and while there, um, even though I strayed away from my faith, I was just in the back of my head. I always wanted more. I wanted to feel God again. So in the back of my head, I would just pray like, God, I want to find a church, but I don't know where to go. Um, I'm usually very shy and timid, and I hate, I'm shy and timid, and I hate, like, putting myself out there. Um, So going to a new church felt very uncomfortable for me. Um, And in my time in Boston, um, I got hit by a truck um, while just being a pedestrian walking across the street. Um, And um, got knocked unconscious, woke up. I couldn't feel a thing. I couldn't feel anything besides, like, I can only see. I couldn't feel any of my limbs. And then slowly I felt a tingling sensation um, rise up through my body and I can regain the feeling in my limbs. And after telling my mom about this, um, while I was actually knocked unconscious, I actually saw just a figure over me, a white figure over me, and looking up and just realizing that it was my father just praying over me. And telling my mom about this after the fact, she re- made me realize that it was the hand of God over me, healing my body. And I walked away from that cr- that car crash, just with a minor concussion and just five stitches on the back of my head, no other injuries whatsoever. Um, so during this whole time, I was just praying, like, okay. God, I want to feel again. I want to find a body of people that I can be a part of. And uh, at this time, I was just working. Um, and uh, I befriended uh, an employee of mine, Amanda. <laughs> uh, I was her boss. And, uh, <laughs> and der, um, I worked at Target. So uh, several months had passed. Um, and in the month of June, she informed me that she was moving to California. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And at this point, we were just, uh, I was never hung out whatsoever. And then the very last day, uh, she, uh, I went to go say bye to her. We hung out. Um, and then she invited me to stay for, she just told me that a group of friends were coming over later that night, and I was invited to stay if I wanted. I was like, Sure. So I stayed, and it ended up being their form of missional communities, which they call community groups. And I know she had no idea about like my past of, as far as my faith. She just invited me to stay, and so I stay. And it's their community group, and we're just discuss, discussing the Bible and and seeing their community and just how close they were, and how and just discussing. I can't remember what it was, but I just felt so compelled to also share as well. And after the fact, that's when I got to tell Amanda and, and I got to meet Kristen. Like, I, I, this is actually like I was raised in the faith, and like, and I've actually been like looking for a community. So after Amanda moves, 
the next week I asked her, like, hey, is it all right if you tell Kristen if I can go to community group again? She was like, yes, you're invited. <laughs> so after that, I would go every week to their community group, and then I ended up going to their, their actual Sunday gatherings um, at the church and just feeling God again. And I, I found a home, I found a body that I, that I felt I belonged to. But at that same time, I felt, even though I felt that, even though I found that church, I still felt um, I'm not, I wasn't supposed to be, or I'm not meant to be there. So, after visiting home, uh, back here, back to California, um, I just felt God was calling me to move back here um, for whatever reason. I didn't know what. Um, and I knew I wanted to be closer to be back with my family, so I could be what, be closer to my nephew, be with my mom, um, and just to be uh, a male figure in my nephew's life since his mother passed away and his dad wasn't in the picture anymore. So I just knew I wanted to be back so I could be with them. Um, and upon moving back, my mom, the day I, moved, I got here, Christmas Day, of 2017 um, the day I got back my mom my mother informed me that she had a last minute surgery scheduled um, while I was on my way here and it was scheduled for the following week <coughs> um, so she had surgery the doctors informed us that the tumor that they found um, was cancerous and and she uh, and she had cancer, so immediately I knew why I was called back to California so I can be with my fam- be with my family and um, just so I can be with my family um, and help my mother in this transition and no uh, no other way I knew there's no way I would have known that that was what I was being called to until I arrived. I just knew I needed to be home. And several months later, uh, she goes to the doctor and they inform her that the cancer is gone. She's healed of cancer. Um, so this whole entire time, um, um, upon moving back to California, um, I started coming here to Soma. And I just knew... I found the church body. I was uh, in just the community that I was meant to be with, because after leaving the legalistic, way, legalistic ways of my Catholic faith, I still didn't feel worthy of God and receiving God. But because of the community and because of the people that God put me put in my life, I was able to learn about grace. And the the grace that God gives me each and every day, and because. Jesus died for my sins already. I, I am a sinner, but Jesus died for my sins, and, and he gives me grace each and every day. And, and I learned about God's love and actually feeling God's love and knowing God um, through my whole upbringing in, in my Catholic faith. I, I knew of God, but I didn't know God. And this last year and a half, since moving back to California, I've actually felt... God's love so much 
um, with everything that he's done uh, in my life. And, and just being able to be a part of the community and have my faith, fl- faith flourish in, in the last year and a half more than it ever has in, in my entire life just because of actually learning the gospel and not just knowing the gospel, but actually learning and living it and feeling God's love for the first hand. And a few months ago, I was driving down the freeway um, and being baptized and going through my confirmation, I didn't feel like, I felt like I already accepted God in my heart and I didn't need to do that again. But a few months ago, I was driving down the freeway listening to a sermon, um, and just praying. And then, for whatever reason, I just, I don't know what came over me, but I just knew somebody was telling me I need to be baptized again. So, several months had passed, and I was like, okay, i got to be obedient. And, and just, God is calling me to just accept, his love, um, so, um, and his grace, and so I'm going to be baptized today. <laughs> can I, Amanda, can I put you on a spot? Me? Yeah. Go for it. Can you, can you come up and pray for Sam? Dear Jesus, you constantly amaze me. Um, Our God is powerful. Our God transcends boundaries, be they physical, be they emotional, be they between one another. You are just as alive and just as vibrant here as you are um, in L.A., as you are in Boston. I thank you so much for um, bringing Sam into my life. Um, I am so blessed just constantly getting to witness him and his softness and his tenderness and the way that he is just constantly uh, your hands. He is a maker, and he it is so obvious that he loves so deeply every person who is in his life. Um, and I am so just dazzled by the way that that reflects how you love us uh, so deeply and so lovely. Um, I... I'm so grateful for the amount of grace that um, the friendship uh, that me and Sam and Kristen have been able to uh, endure, and that's wholly from you, wholly from you. I thank you so much for the transformative power that you have given um, all of us, and I thank you so much that you put us here in Soma. You brought us here. I thank you so much for the things that we are going to get to do with the Venice Church plant that um, I pray that it just uh, reflects you, and it reflects the um, the glory and the love that you have shown us um, I thank you so much, Yahweh, Father, Abby. Uh, thank you so much, Abba, Father, for um, being here, for being our Father, for being able to um, love us and guide us, and uh, that you have our your hand on all of us. Um, and I thank you so much that we get to play in this playground of life, uh, and that it's so joyous and beautiful. Um, and I pray you would just bless us and you would bless this, this new coming uh, and that Sam would emerge 
today just renewed and refreshed and ready to run your race. Um, it's in your precious name that I pray. Amen. Okay. I have to go to work, everybody. I love you all. <laughs> so this is what we're going to do. We're going um, to spend a few minutes um, taking communion with one another, being reminded um, that Jesus was the one that died and rose again for us to make all of this possible so that God pursued us that way to make us his children, to make us his family. Uh, then we're going to come back, we're going to sing a couple songs, and then we're going to go right through those doors. Uh, and then we're going to um, baptize Sam and anybody else that wants to be baptized, that wants to declare Jesus and wants to um, tell the world what God has done for him or her. And, and then we're going to have some food. And, and taco guys here. Daniel gave me the thumbs up. Um, so let's do this. Let me, um, let me just pray for us. We'll go to communion and then we'll, we'll sing a few songs and then we'll head out those doors. Father, we thank you that you loved us so greatly um, that you uh, sent yourself and that you sent yourself to, uh, to make a way for the brokenness to be restored. And so, Father, thank you that we get to celebrate that this morning. Pray that as we go to communion, that we would be reminded uh, that your body was broken and that your blood was poured out uh, so that ours didn't have to be. And that not only was that poured out, but that you conquered death and that you rose again, uh, proving that we have new life in you. And so, Father, we thank you that we can and get to live in your ways and get to live in your truths. Father, pray that you make us a people that uh, that's evident uh, all throughout uh, our day um, with you. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.